0: What's up, everybody? Matt Lee here at thejamhole.com. Going to do something a little different than what you're maybe used to. Uh, I'm here in Eureka, California. BJ is back in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, we're in the middle of moving, and I know she wants to do some podcasts, and I know everybody wants to listen to podcasts now, so I thought, hey, uh, we'll try something a little different and have some friends on the show, the first of which is our friend du. Uh He's on Instagram as at du, D-O-U-X. IT or just X? IT. Uh, yeah,
1: IT. Do it. Do it.
0: <laughs> do it. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Like, this is so awesome. And I'm so impressed with how many podcasts you've done and speaking with you yesterday. I just I'm pumped about this whole thing.
0: That's awesome. So if you guys don't know, uh the great sage do here, probably one of the most humble, prolific renaissance <laughs> men of our time. I like to kind of picture him as a like, Joe Rogan-esque in the things he speaks about, <laughs> but then more, well, means like, a lot. super calm and mellow, like, I, I don't know, it, it's, you You walk this interesting line, um, you make a lot of cool bone carving, uh, art, back when I first found you, you were using, uh, like now you're using mammoth tusk, uh, but before you were using just uh, different kinds of bone for these like medallions, these mandalas, uh, you call them cookies, uh, really cool stuff. And you've broken into like the heady glass community. It's like a bunch of glass collectors, different kind of art collectors. And like you've, yeah. you've made your own niche in there. And that's that's really cool, man.
1: Yeah, no, that was definitely the goal. So from the beginning... Uh basically when I started this, I'd been unplo- unemployed for like six or seven months, and I just kind of didn't know what to do. You know, I'd sent my resume in everywhere, and I was only getting a couple calls back, but I wasn't interested really in the places that I was kind of thinking about working. And I just bought a Dremel on a Black Friday sale trying to carve stone, and spent like 10 hours trying to carve stone in our spare room, got it totally messy and nasty, and then the piece just like fell in half, you know. <laughs> And I was like, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And then got like any normal man would do. I cried for like two hours in the bathtub. Just like, what is my life? (laughs) And those are great turnaround moments a lot of the time. And just kind of on a whim, I decided to go look up people using Dremels on YouTube. And I saw like a 60-year-old dude from Hawaii carving Maui hooks out of beef bone. And I was like, those are the tools I just bought. And that looks decently simple. I could do that. And, uh, so I got like a uh, beef bone from a pet storage, like the one you get for your dog, just organically purified beef shank, which was all my original carvings. And there's a little bit of a story there. I might say for another time with like, it was a little bit of a struggle cause I'd been vegetarian for so long. Like, am I going to do this? And it kind of came to, I want to give this kind of a second chance more than just being chewed up by a dog. Right. Like right. maybe every once in a while, this cow could actually live on. Like, I can't really stop this, especially once I realized how much was going on, like that I have gone through less beef bones in the two years that I did it, which I've stopped using them now than a steakhouse does in like a week. Oh, wow. Like a single steakhouse. So like, it's just that's crazy. So I wanted to try to –
0: you're giving them like this new life. Uh, there's another artist on Instagram. I can't think of his name right now, but I'll, I'll put it in the show notes after the fact. Uh, but he makes like these shadow creations, but the, the sculpture itself is made of like garbage, like just recycled trash. But when he puts the light on it properly, it looks like, like two people in an embrace or someone sitting there thinking, yeah. I, I can't think of his name, but they're really no, I've seen cool. pieces. Yeah. But
1: I love that. And I love that kind of, giving life back to things. Um, And so that was, honestly, I think it's really great that I started there because with every piece, I had that extra bit of depth with it where I kind of felt bad that I was even doing it. And that led me to ask, you know, what do you want to be and spend time with the piece of bone and trying to get into the metaphysical a little more and also appreciating every piece that I was using, not just to make as much scrap as possible, but to try to use everything I could. I think that's Um, what
0: drew me to your art also was that it it had these cool messages to it you weren't just like another artist that was like oh buy my work so I can eat it was like think about this and how it affects your life and like it really makes you stop to think and then uh, a little bit after that you started doing these stories on Instagram that were just like these thoughts you would have just as you were working something like just raw inspiration I guess that like as you're carving (laughs) you're like oh this is great. I got to stop and like share this with everybody. And that's, that's kind of what drove me to want to do this, uh, this medium with you is like, you need to get more in depth into some of those messages. (laughs) Like I always found myself wanting more and then it's like, Oh, the story's over. Shit. (laughs) I have to go find my own way now.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you, dude. Yeah. Like half of it is like post dabs. And then half of it is like a kind of a crazy life experience where I realize a lesson tied in directly with it, which I mean, everything seems to be that, you know, everything we go through in life seems to be some kind of lesson to learn. It's just how much are you going to be present for that lesson?
0: Right. You always hear that, right? It's not about the destination. It's the journey. And the journey is to me, the lesson, like what are we learning as we navigate this insane simulation or simulation of the world or whatever (laughs) we're in? We don't even know. We don't have the resolution. I love the term organic
1: construct. Because that kind of ties together. It could be a simulation. It could not be. But it's some kind of organic construct we find ourselves in.
0: Right. I mean, define simulation. Like if if what we're experiencing through these sensory organs that are our eyes, through our brain and everything, if that's yeah. simulated, like when, when you look at a tree, you don't see the tree, you're seeing like the atoms that make this form that your eyes are then reflecting the light into. And like, it looks like a tree yeah. to you because that's what your brain tells you it is. But we don't know. Exactly. What that so even if there. it's not
1: simulated, your brain is simulating it. Exactly. So either way, <laughs> it's a simulation. you can't get out of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That
1: comes back to like Hinduism talks about like Maya, the great illusion, which is where the term I think magic comes from but that this is somehow some beautiful illusion. That doesn't mean that it's not real, but that we don't see even but a tiny, tiny, tiny percent of what's actually happening most of the time. Right.
0: And then once we get that resolution, it it becomes like the quantum uncertainty that like, well, you can know where it is but you can't know how big it is or how fast it's going or you can know how fast it's going but you can't know where it is and then just the act of observing it is changing it so we can't ever really know it in our in its like truest form because we're yeah we're affecting it just by looking at it
1: yeah no and i feel like there's there's a lot to learn from those lessons like i know the um the electron forget what it's called, the double slit experiment that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, the wave Uh, particle. There's a lot of
1: kind of controversy about how people take that and what it actually means. Right. But either way, there's like a huge lesson to learn from like if you kind of not necessarily look at it, but I don't know if you've had this experience on mushrooms or during a trip. But when I took mushrooms one time, there was very much like I would see something in the wooden floor that was a crazy shape and gave me kind of an epiphany about something. And the second I said, Hey Bets, come check this out. It was gone. It just <laughs> yeah. did. I couldn't even bring it back no matter how hard I tried. It was like there's something special about being alone in a sacred moment and letting your reality be whatever it needs to be for you without having to show and convince other people that it's true.
0: Yeah. It's... And that
1: applies to like all of life, you know, especially with this journey I've had of carving carving was like you know, my my grandparents and my parents, I love them to death and they're so supportive, but they were like still offering me jobs when I was like a (laughs) year and a half in. Like, I saw Verizon was hiring, you know? And I'm like, no, you don't don't get it, I'm not interested. (laughs) I'm head into this, like this is all I'm doing, this is my life. That's it cool. was just what, it uh, a passion project.
0: What drew you to the carving as opposed to like other mediums? I know you mentioned your girl Betts. She does like these cool little doodles and, and art pieces, yeah. uh, just like a, a canvas and, and inks and, and stuff like that. But you kind of went like a different direction. And in this community, we see like it's mostly glass blowers, it's mostly quartz artists. And then you see like some painters like Alex Party and there's there's tons of them I can't even think of right now but it's all that yeah. psychedelic kind of, of family of sorts and you you yeah, went so- with like carving that, that's it's awesome I love the work but like it it just <laughs> seems like a different branch and you just like For went sure. there by yourself you know
1: well that was kind of the original goal so. I'll get back to another point in a sec, but I'll make this one first. Um, there's a book that I read, at least part of. I'm terrible about reading parts of books and then forgetting to read the rest yeah. of the book. But um, it was called Why Johnny Can't Brand. And I recommend that everybody reads at least a little bit of that. But it talks about branding and getting together. Because I knew, for me, as somebody who no longer wanted to work a job anymore. And I'm certainly not one of those people that says, like fuck jobs, everybody should work for themselves. Like Everybody should do what works really well for them. I work really well when I'm alone and I can do my own weird project because a lot of people won't think it's necessary when I first start it, but afterwards are impressed like how you do that.
0: Right, That's right. kind
1: of been the story of my life. You know, like, Don't climb that tree. Whoa, well, how'd you get so high up in that tree? It's like <laughs> well, I, I tried, you know, um, but building a brand I knew was like my new resume because I wasn't going to get a job. There, were, there seemed to be two paths for me. It was like build the resume and build your career or build your brand, or and the brand kind of becomes your resume, <laughs> right? Do right. what
0: <laughs> or be happy. It's like get get a career or be <laughs> happy. One or the other. Rarely do you. find yeah.
1: both. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people are happy in careers. And I think there are some careers that I could have been happy in. I just didn't line up those paths early enough. Yeah. And I'm Again, I'm happy I didn't because it's like the greatest thing I've ever done to me. Like, I'm just so happy with what I'm doing. This is it, right? This is like, yeah, even I mean, that doesn't mean all my days are blissful. Like even today, I've been confused as hell trying to (laughs) stand in the workshop and just stare at stuff and piece stuff together and figure out what the hell I'm going to make next because it's always like starting at square one. But, um, that's oh, cool. actually, it has we, like
0: a newness to it every time though. It's like, Oh, what does, will, really what does. form will you guide me to, to create this into, you know, that's, that's really mm-hmm. cool.
1: And that's been some of the best moments is when you can have that little bit of faith in the crafting process when you can say, okay, I don't know what to do after this one step, but I'm going to go ahead and make that one step happen. Um, Cause a lot of the time myself included even years into this, like I'll think, well, how am I going to finish it? Or how is this going to work? And if you can just do that one step, because it might not work out, but you'll get like actual results from trying that you wouldn't ever get just from thinking about it, you know? The
0: temple, one of your more recent pieces that, uh, or the cathedral, excuse me. um, Yeah, that it, that is just a crazy cool piece. And like, the the starting form of that, you know, like it, it looks nothing like what you've created here. But, but <laughs> it, it's just such a cool piece. And then I liked and- uh, what you what you were talking to function video, this other cat on Instagram about as far as like, yeah. how do we price our pieces? Like, how do we know what something's worth other than what so- someone else is willing to give to us? It's like, well, you can assign worth to, you know, the time it took you, the materials involved and That gets you halfway there but like where do I get that other half from
1: yeah definitely I feel like a lot of it's intuition and then a good bit of it is also trying to consider how much time that it take me and most of the time I don't know if other craftsmen do this as well but I try to focus more on day rate than individual hours because hours are hard to clock on a piece when you go back and go back and forth between different things or whatever it may be but if you know that if I had done this all at once, it would have taken me one solid day. And then you can have a day rate of like a few hundred dollars. Right. Then you can kind of make good calculations off of that. Um, I think people, and I wanted to talk about this too, actually, I'm kind of glad you brought that up. I think people underestimate how much it takes to run your own small business, you know? Like, and this is from my own experience, like when I first saw Bad Bat Glass, way before I was an artist, and I saw him make like X amount of dollars in one auction. And it was like you know, like $2,100 with three auctions he did in one night. And I was like, this dude just made $2,100 <laughs> at once. And in my <laughs> mind, I was thinking he made that in one day, 2100 day rate. Done, yeah. And now if I actually do the research, I realize he takes a week off and builds that up, then does it. So you actually have to divide that by the week. And then people aren't factoring in taxes and business expenses and everything else which is going to come to like 50% of everything that you make. Yep. And so the actual salary at the bottom end of it is nothing like what you're seeing if you just add up all the auction totals.
0: Yeah, and you don't you're not seeing the countless failures that occurred prior to Fact. this finished piece. Like he might yeah. <laughs> have spent $3,000 in time and materials just just to hear that thing go tink in the kiln and then Yeah. It's done exactly. like that, that. There's your there's your day like you have to start over the next day and then you have that failure looming over your head. If if you're the kind of person that dwells on stuff like that, like that's got to always be back there. Just like, well, what if this one breaks? Here's a job at Verizon. What if this one breaks? You know, like it's it's a yeah. constant <laughs> thing it's really cool to see like these artists be able to to make a living and i know some of some of them have day jobs because you know we can't all make a living doing uh what we want to do as far as the art uh but yeah the ones that are doing it are, are definitely killing it and it's really cool to see like the the technology come together and create that opportunity like you i i don't think you could do this pre-internet like you would have had to no. make a body of work go find like a gallery or I guess an agent or some way of reaching but your people. I wouldn't have
1: been able to do it you know because yeah. the only way I started was because of the internet like I didn't have time to make a month's worth of work and then have a show you know right. who who has a month when especially when you're unemployed who has a month ready in advance yeah. for all your bills and everything yeah. and that's how most artists start their journey is fuck, what else am I going to do? I might as well make art while I'm sitting around waiting on these replies for resumes. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: it. It is. It's how you spend that time. Like, are you moping around? Are you sulking? Are you using that energy as something to motivate you to do what you want to do? A lot of people get stuck in that you know, day-to-day grind of like, oh, this is what it's going to be like forever. And I'm never going to attain what I truly want, which I don't even know what that is yet, but I know when I get it, I'll be happy finally. And it's like, well, no, I don't think that's quite how it works.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's like, it's kind of like a grass is greener situation. I always thought, you know, once I'm an artist and if I make any money off of it, I'll never feel that again. Right. But Sometimes this feels just like any other job did on some some days, you know what I mean? Yeah. There are some days where you go, ah, I gotta keep going because I need to pay these bills and I need to, and you have to force yourself to kind of meditate or get into a more relaxed state where you can then make art genuinely. Because I never want to go into the workshop when I'm not feeling truly like myself. I don't think it's fair to the mammoth tusk, I don't think it's fair to me, I don't think it's fair to any collector, you know? Like if I'm feeling grumpy, That's, that's not an energy I want to embed in the piece because that's how it works.
0: It will. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like anything it's, it's just obvious to me now from experience and from literally 50 plus messages about it, that any art piece contains the energy of the person who made it while they made it, what they were thinking, what they were processing, how they felt about themselves and the art. And you feel that when you look at it. And so I want to be able to give people a mystical place, a, confident and prideful place for themselves that they can come back to continuously
0: yeah you've definitely done that your your instagram is just full of these kinds of like thoughts and and inspirational things i like the one of the recent posts uh let him find out the secret art of combining craft with a noble heart like that i really love that
1: and your ghost uh, faust has been like just so cool to read recently i'm not too far into it but I'm very into it.
0: <laughs> so do you do that? Like when when you are feeling down, do you just like find a book or kind of pick up a, a book where you left off and kind of read until that feeling goes away and you're once again inspired or do you just like walk away from it for, for a few hours and, and just try not to think about, about creating? I'd say...
1: It very much depends on the situation because whenever you're feeling off, there's usually some root in that. So it's kind of what about like, what what is the root? Like, is it my body's out of water a lot of the time? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I forgot to be drinking water continuously. That's all it is, simple. And then sometimes it's like, I haven't exercised in long enough, my body's feeling weak, so let's go for a walk and do yoga one after the other. It might be that I haven't given myself enough space just to be peaceful and quiet Mm just to enjoy the silence and to not try to fill it with words or anything going on, like a stimuli. Yeah. We because need even that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like five seconds of that silence. will it's, it's worth an hour and a half of however else you want to relax, like shows mm-hmm. or video games or I'm not against any of that. Like I like playing video games almost every night. Like it's good to wind down with, but it's not the best way to wind down.
0: Yeah. Your eyes are getting all that light and it's keeping you up and in awake. way. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. But that's cool. I I definitely, like, you see that a lot with uh, the whole float tank movement. Like, it was not a thing, and then all of a sudden it was this thing, and everyone's like, oh, silence. Like, how we (laughs) used to live. Oh, shit. Now we're like, yeah, everyone's got a float tank in their garage or their house or a membership at the local... Uh, flow to it's it's become this thing i think it's it's stuff like that that's given way to allow us to be more open about psychedelics and like the mushroom thing that's starting to take hold and i i get weed had to be first because obviously it's it's the the lowest on the plant teacher medicine pole i guess the the lowest barrier to entry um, but now that that's I'd getting think, honestly, I
1: think tobacco would be the lowest barrier oh, that's, entry. Yeah, I think yeah, that's true. Because that, Mayans use that for a long time. Right. you If you use it well, caffeine or tobacco. Not a slave right. Through it, you have to be careful with that, though. yeah And I almost think like nicotine is a good way to learn. I'm not recommending anybody start smoking or anything like that. But if you vape, especially because I enjoy doing that, make sure to monitor like your addiction or when your body is just trying to reach for it when you're mm-hmm. not actually doing it, and that will teach you so much about everything else in your life and your disciplines.
0: Yeah. If you don't, it goes from being a tool to being a crutch. And then you like me where you're just smoking like every hour. (laughs) It's terrible. But yeah, once, once that all happens and like psychedelics are starting to become more open and accepted, I think a lot more of this is going to just start opening up for everyone. And like, we're going to realize things that I guess we've known, but we, haven't focused on you know like this this is Definitely. where we came from but we've been so far removed from it and so disconnected from it that we've forgotten all about it
1: yeah and it's so funny to think about the best way to get back to that place is nothing
0: right there's, Silence. there's,
1: there's not a thing that will get you back there you just do nothing and you'll be right back there
0: where did do come from like where did you come up with that that's a good
1: question i like so it. It was honestly, when I was at one point, I was just looking up cool foreign words because I've always been obsessed with foreign words and how they translate into English because sometimes you'll get like full sentences of a translation because it's not just a one word translation. Like shiren yoku in Japanese means forest bathing and it's like a medical practice to like make you, like to heal you mentally. Right. And that's beautiful. And now when I go in the woods, I think shiren yoku and it just kind of, <laughs> it vibes, you know? That's cool. Um but so I was looking up words like that, and I found "du" and it's a French word, and it means sweet or soft. So sometimes, actually, if you go like and you find cake toppers, sometimes it'll say sweet slash du, like the nice. supermarket. <laughs> um, but I've always just been that kind of person, like, and I think it's because probably because of my mother. She's an amazing person, and she was always so sweet with everybody. But I'm since I was like six years old to now. If any old lady is moving a shopping cart, I want to put it away for her. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I just and not because I want the thing. I just really love doing it. I love that, oh sure, thank you. And yeah. I made their day a little better. Yeah. And I that sounds kind of shitty saying it, I feel like, but I don't mean to be cocky, but I just I love it, man. Like I genuinely love making strangers' days better unexpectedly. Yeah. You're just complimenting somebody's shirt as we're walking by, get while we're getting like, groceries. And it's kind of like it blows people away. It's such a tiny thing. It takes zero effort Mm -hmm. and it just improves the world around you.
0: And little things like that that we can do day to day add up. Definitely. Like that may have changed that person's day from bad to good. And now they have a whole new path when they get home compared to where it could have gone. Just being in that bad mood.
1: Exactly. And I see that as almost like a superpower that all humans hold. And so few of us are accessing, which seems silly to me. Cause like I was saying, it takes zero effort, Right. but it's for quiet. the name, like do it was about doing things in a state of peacefulness because I guess I didn't realize I had this subconscious belief in the back of my head that when you think about more and more power, you think about more and more strain, like more muscles or more. Ah, right. And it's, the opposite it seems it maybe not power maybe ability but it's the opposite the more calm the more collected the more empty you are then the more able you are to confront any task and carving taught me that more than anything really was that when i had nothing on my mind when i didn't know what i wanted to make when i didn't know what was going to happen next the most beautiful stuff happened <laughs> that's, because that's I tapping went into that to the nothing. Yeah, you have to move forward into emptiness, and that's a very confusing and weird thing to do. But I think that's the leap of faith that people talk about a lot.
0: You have an amazing self awareness about you that I feel like a lot of people just don't they're just not aware of
1: to, to maybe it but totally. i don't feel it too much <laughs> right but like the things goofball.
0: you talk about like the, the the way you present yourself and the things you talk about online like it shows this like you're just fully aware and maybe if you're not aware of your awareness like the way you project yourself is that like you you know you you're doing you're you're knowing like you You just you're aware of these things and you know that like, okay if if this is happening, then I'm going to just silence and I'm going to be calm and peaceful. And I think a lot of people could definitely benefit from that. Just being able to turn off certain parts of your your worry or your anxiety or whatever. We see that a lot these days. Kids have a lot of anxiety. It's like, well, the world's crazy, but the world's always been crazy. We're just more connected to it, even though we're kind of less connected to it in a way.
1: Yeah that's the craziest thing is that you can feel as peaceful as possible instantly just it's it's about understanding i think that you don't want to sometimes like i don't remember who said this but one of my favorite little phrases was you have to identify what your favorite kind of pain is All right like what do you really enjoy suffering from so that you can complain about it to other people or whatever it may be be honest with your or complain about it to yourself and say oh so not fair you know because then you're going to keep attracting those kind of things and that's another reason you were talking about um like pieces breaking and stuff like that i think every artist everyone follows probably breaks way more pieces than i know they do than anybody's aware of oh for sure but a lot of us have realized that when we post about it We get people saying, oh no, and this stuff. And it it actually feels a little like good that I got a response from it. And I don't want to tie those two together of broken piece, good. Right. Like continue to do this. And so I don't share it. I just kind of put it in a stack. I never get rid of them. I have them to remember and look back on and remember why it happened and what not to do. But I don't want to gain any kind of satisfaction from it whatsoever because I'm trying to teach my body what to do basically
0: teaching that's uh jeff patterson he makes the silicon reclaimers he does that a lot on his videos like he'll he'll spend a lot of time trying out this technique and then it'll break and he'll be like oh that sucks but i learned this from it and like being able to separate the all that sucks from the aha like that's huge a lot of people will just be like oh that sucks and then they'll do it again and it'll happen again, and they'll be like, oh, that yeah. sucks, and it's like, well, you're you're not learning from this. This is like a teachable moment that you could be, mm. you know, gleaning some sort of knowledge from, and, and then bettering it later, when when you go back to it.
1: Yeah, it's almost like, and I have to be, I've been kind of tampering with this, I don't know if that's the right word, I guess philosophy in my mind for a few days now, because I'm not sure which way to put it or how to phrase it, but there's something about kind of delaying satisfaction. But right. I don't know if those are the right words, because to tell someone don't be satisfied is that might mean to someone do something harmful to yourself. and That's not at all what I mean. But like, for instance, posting about something breaking might give you an early satisfaction. And now you don't have the drive to seek the satisfaction of actually finishing it.
0: Right, right. You're getting so, the, the likes from it. You're getting that that you know, release of, of serotonin or whatever is happening in your brain. When you see those likes lighting up, it's like, well, this was a real negative thing, but like people like it. So uh, I'm just going to break more pieces.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I've even had like back when I took pictures of my cuts, whenever I cut my hand or something accidentally while I was carving, and I'd be like, Oh no, I, after for a while, I had thoughts while I was carving of like, Oh, if this slipped, that'd be a really cool picture. And I thought, oh Whoa, well, hold on. <laughs> hold on, body. No. Body, no we're not doing that. <laughs> wow. That's... So that's when I kinda of caught myself with it a little more and I was yeah. like, okay, I need to reprogram myself on this because that's a no-go.
0: And it is if people like go go to your page and look at your art, like there is some serious focus involved, and these are like small pieces, but you're holding them with your fingers by these really fast moving. Buffer wheels and grinders and stuff like that's definitely. Yeah. I used to sharpen scissors for a guy when I was a kid uh, that made <laughs> made barber shears, and I remember oh, cool. a couple times like just I was so peaceful like polishing this this shear, and all of a sudden the wheel just rips it out of my hand and sticks it in the ceiling, and I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> that went from peaceful to not real fast.
1: Yeah, I actually broke my MacBook screen. Uh, just a few days ago unfortunately i had it had been like i'd have a Mac, my macbook out there in the workshop with me for two years now maybe more and it's been fine and then a few days ago i was carving some mother of pearl the oyster shell with a diamond wheel i was cutting it apart and it caught on an edge and Oof. flew straight into the MacBook and just shattered the screen. Oh, wow. And then disappeared, and I still can't find that piece. I don't know where it was. It's <laughs> in the
0: MacBook. The MacBook has assimilated the mother of
1: Pearl. Yeah. Luckily, the screens aren't too expensive for repair, so yeah, hopefully yeah. I can order one and just fix it myself. But, yeah, they fly around a lot, Like especially polishing. It'll catch sometimes because it's like a felt wheel. Right. And I've had, Mammoth Tusk is crazy strong though. I have a all concrete garage, and I've had pieces fly and go under my arm and bounce off the floor, hit the back wall, which is about like, I don't know, 12 feet from me, 15 feet from me, and then bounce on the floor again and come back to me just unscathed, (laughs) no scratch, no anything.
0: That's crazy. Where did you – you uh, like you, you mentioned before, you were using uh, beef bone, and then you made this transition to mammoth tusk. I got uh, my first mammoth tusk one here I'm wearing, which I completely love. It definitely has a different feel to it uh, than the older yeah. cookies that I have from you. Uh, how did that all start? Like where did you find mammoth tusk?
1: <laughs> so – there's a guy, Leroy Tattoo Wooden Skulls. I'm not sure if that's his exact Instagram tag, but within those words is his Instagram tag. And you can probably find him. He's a cool guy. Uh, he does skull carvings, and he did a lot out of Mammoth Tusk when I found him. North Carolina uh, guy. I think he's in Raleigh, but that could be incorrect. Anyway, we did a collab a while back. I don't know if you remember the skull collab that I did where I did the designs on the skull and the crown. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that was, yeah, that was with him. And so he had carved the skull with the material, and that was my first time ever working with mammoth ivory. And he was telling me about how much I'm going to love it because it's like butter compared to the beef shank. It's not necessarily like butter, but it is a little bit easier to carve yeah. when it's small. Um, so I just, I loved that. And then he gave me his supplier, which was Burkett Customs, uh, Dustin. He's a great guy, and he's out of Montana, I think. Oh, cool. But he sources all the mammoth tusk from a single Inuit family in Alaska. And I was really intrigued. He said he would send me some for like a couple hundred bucks if I'd send him that. And so I got a small box to work with and just kind of fell in love and then decided I was going to transition off of the beef shank because I'd been looking for another medium so that I wouldn't be doing that anymore.
0: You wanted to transition away from from the the, the bone or like to get right. to a different medium? like
1: some... Just the beef shank because oh, okay. I know cows are being killed currently. Right, for right. That but you still be- wanted I... to
0: work with bone still.
1: Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, I love... I honestly I've always loved anything that had to do with death just because I I enjoy that reminder. I always like I remember when I was a kid, I was maybe 8 or 9 years old and I drew a skull on a piece of paper one time. I was I love drawing skeletons. And my mom said, "Oh, that's scary. Don't draw that." And I said, "But mom, you have one in your face." <laughs> and she couldn't say anything to that. She just walked off. Oh, do. And so I've always kind of been pegged as the existentialist in my family too. I really enjoy that, honestly. I've even had my sister made a meme of me with all the cousins, and they're all just smiling, and I'm like leaning up to the side thinking, and she put like, but what is existence? That's awesome. But I just enjoy being that guy, and I've always enjoyed being the crazy person. I think I identified early on when I was younger that a lot of the people I looked up to were a little bit crazy, you know? Like anybody that's really made it with something they wanted to do not necessarily a crazy person but they stopped caring about what other people thought of them yeah that's and huge just went for what worked for them that's definitely including huge. their personality sorry yeah yeah
0: every great inventor had a bit of that in them you know mm-hmm. you don't just go fly a kite out in a rainstorm with lightning with yeah. a key attached <laughs> to it because you're like oh totally sane here it's fine you don't worry <laughs> about electricity today, kids.
1: Exactly. So I think humanity moves forward on the people that are a little bit crazy. I think they do a lot for it, like us. So I wanted to be a part of that, honestly. That was part of coming back around to your question about like the heady community and that most of my collectors collect glass art and things that aren't necessarily anything like what I do. That was the goal from the beginning. And I was talking about that Johnny Cant Brand book or why Johnny Can't Brand. And it was about having a number one in something and being a number one in something. And that a lot of people try to do this by trying to beat out the competition. But the genius way to do it, and I love this, is create a new category so that you're automatically number one in it. (laughs) Yeah, And you could probably already see how that worked out for me. It's hilarious. Make your own lane. (laughs) Yeah. And they were talking about, well, your brain can only remember so many people for each category. It's like it has different boxes for categories. So, if you said like, First man on the moon, everybody can tell you. But if you said fourth man on the moon, everybody goes, uh, I, I have no idea. But then if you said first in any other category, they would know. So there's infinite firsts that you can store in your brain because there's mm. different keywords that tie to that and you can remember first. But if it's second, third, fourth, it's really hard. So I knew, and then the way they talked about doing that is blending two things that haven't been blended, two or more things. So, like, you can even see how the computer mouse is a blending of laser technology and cabling and Mm -hmm. plastic making and all of this. Um, But they talked about Subaru did this when they made, I don't remember what they call their type of car that's so famous, like the Outback. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the SUV, but it
0: wasn't a car. It's like that in-between blending of the two. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So, they blended two together and then... I don't remember if they call them Coupe Hatchback. Somebody's going to comment and be like, that's wrong, but I'm going to say that for now. Um, (laughs) But they branded themselves and they put this in signs as the number one Coupe Hatchback company. And everybody else was kind of like, the fuck are you guys talking about? You're (laughs) the only ones. This is silly. This is like a prank, right? And now Ford has one, Hyundai has Mm -hmm, one. But if mm -hmm. you think of that style of car, who do you think of? Yep, Subaru. Because they were bold enough to say, we're number one in this thing that nobody knows what it is. And so I in realizing this decided to combine some other craft with the heady community. I wanted to make heady art of a non glass origin, like especially bone. So like when I started carving bone, it became very apparent to me that nobody has blended bone art and the heady world. There's a lot of traditional bone carvers. There's a lot of people in India and Hawaii and some in Florida and all over the place. I mean, there's even some in North Carolina, but most people hadn't tried to blend it with glass. And that's what I also wanted to do with like the orb amulet collabs that I used to do and things like that. It was like, kind of a way of putting my foot in the door to get me in there. But I felt like I was a part of it ever since I worked at a head shop years before, you know, and I was kind of a part of the crew there. And I really, that's where I learned a lot about the community and I gained a lot of respect for the people in it. Actually, I won't say where, because I I still do respect the staff there, and especially the employees. I love them to death. But I was let go in the end because I didn't want to lie to customers. Like I didn't want to tell them. Mm. So it, it wasn't even it wasn't even lying. I don't want to say that, but it was. He was basically saying, don't tell them what type of banger you have. Just recommend the one right, that they should right. buy. Yeah. But yeah. I was my sales pitch was like I use a Quav, but this is fifty dollars cheaper and works basically the same and i sold great on it and i was honest with people and they appreciated that because especially being in tennessee who are you going to ask about your weed stuff you can't go many places you know the head shop's the only real place other than the internet to gain information on that so we i really kind of prided myself on being a source of information and then i think that experience was perfect because that continued over into this and I really wanted to uphold the community that I was a part of. And I had great respect for the people in it and all the love they showed for art more than I'd seen in any other community.
0: That's really cool. Like we in, in these like legal States, we definitely forget that there's still massive parts of the country that are still being persecuted for some weed and they don't have these awesome resources. And, Not saying every bud tender knows everything, but generally you can go to any weed shop in California, Oregon, Washington, and find something that's gonna work for you you know you're not gonna not come out you're not gonna come out of their empty handed and be like oh they didn't have any weed i could smoke you know but then there's yeah. th- there's all these other states that are still like no that's the devil's lettuce and you you'll go <laughs> to hell if you smoke this and we're gonna at least put you in jail for years and like where do you go for that information you turn to the internet And like, it's, it's all out there and then it's up to you as a person to kind of sift through what the bullshit is and, and what's, what's good and relatable to your life.
1: Yeah. And I would also say that, I mean, like around four or five years ago, there wasn't a lot of information on the internet of people saying like, Hey, and I mean, I'll shout out to Travis who worked there with me. He taught me, he was the real first person to say like, Hey, you don't need a big scientific rig when you're taking dabs, nice. a tiny rig with only a simple downstem stem is best. And I figured that out and I was like, okay, I'm starting to get this kind of a thing now. And then I understood headies a little more because at first, like any person, and I loved seeing that people walk in like, this is $600, this Mm is $2,000, and you almost get like a little bit of a high off of that, of like giving someone a new experience. I've always loved that, of like, because when anybody, and I want other artists really to hear this, if people question your prices or say, well I can't see somebody spending that much money on blank, it means whether they're upset or happy about it, you've given them an entirely new experience whether they get aggravated or blown away whatever it is if they have a reaction like that it means you've helped them evolve mentally into understanding that more could be and that's i think that's important for all of us yeah that's it's
0: really cool too it's 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 art that you can use that's what kind of drew me to it initially and now i have like yeah. this whole glass store and everything online it's i get a lot of those questions too like i i write these blog posts to kind of put out the information that I get asked the most and then that makes more people find it. And then I get more questions and then it's like content for more posts or it's the same questions <laughs> yeah. and I just have to refer them back to it. But uh, a lot of it does come from like the mid to Eastern part of the U.S. Uh, a lot of these people that are like, wow, where, where do, do these courts bangers come from? Like all we have here are head shops with like $10 China courts and I keep breaking them. It's like, well, here's why, you know, it's probably the quality of the courts. It's not as pure as the courts that these people are using and this and that. And they have like no idea that that's even a thing until you bring it (laughs) into their reality. It's really satisfying to like have them come back and be like, thank you. You know, I've, thank you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that was one of my favorites. When somebody comes back in, they're like, I finally got the hang of all this stuff. And it's just, it's amazing. And you're like, that's awesome, man. Sweet.
0: Look at you Q-tipping your your banger, (laughs) just like the rest of us. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I really liked the dabbers that you were making. You started out making just straight bone dabbers, and then you started incorporating the titanium into it. Which I still use one to this day. Like that's my favorite Bucket dabber. <laughs> it goes everywhere with Thanks. me. Like that's that's my jam. Um, yeah, tell tell us a little bit about that. Like you, that evolution. That was you like went from returning to, to the
1: roots. You know, like I started oh. because of the Heady community, and I wanted to make some products that would be kind of in the collections of the same things that I adored before, like rigs and carb caps and this whole market of smokables. Um, And I always loved people like, uh, I think he's called Dabberi. You know what I'm talking about? The swords? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then um, Tiny Labs was a big inspiration to me. Stainless Katana. Saw a lot of people making dabbers, like sword styles and stuff like that. And that was an original inspiration with me making the swords. But I definitely wanted to do the titanium because I just know it heats up and slides off so much easier. Definitely. And with the bone, you had to keep it clean or else it's kind of going to turn yellow on the tip a little more. And that's another reason I wanted to move away from that. And then I didn't feel comfortable making straight sword dabbers out of mammoth tusk because it's I mean it's not purified it's not been in hydrogen peroxide nothing like that it's just been in the ground for like 20,000 years right right I don't know what's in it if you heat it up this <laughs> isn't know?
0: food grade here
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you could probably it, you'd be fine but it might smell bad or something yeah. I don't know there is definitely a difference like the mammoth tusk pieces have a smell I don't know if you realize that with yours
0: hmm. I'm smell it right now oh interesting it smells
1: old yeah
0: it smells ancient
1: yeah, it just basically smells exactly what you'd expect of being in the mud for 20,000 years. <laughs> smells like Manny from Ice Age. <laughs> yeah, and for a while, I put like eucalyptus oil or lavender on some of the pieces because I was a little worried about like, well, is that going to be too much for people? Because it's not super strong. You have to pretty much put it up to your nose. Yeah, I didn't to smell.
0: notice it until you mentioned it, for sure.
1: Yeah, but I, I just love the natural scent of that because it's something authentic. It's something like when's another time that you're going to get to smell something that's fresh, freshly revealed from being 20,000 years in the ground. You know, that's that's a unique experience. So, again, with the sharing unique experiences, I feel like I had to leave it.
0: That's epic. What's uh, what's one of your more favorite pieces you've created recently that you've.
1: Dude, the temple, the temple for Is sure. The temple. Yeah. The birth of the inner light. Yeah. That took me so long and I'm just so proud of it because I've always looked up to people, especially like master jade carvers in China that can carve things out of a single chunk. And so to be able to hollow out a chunk like that, but leave the pillars and the archways, and it took days of just hand filing to get all those right angles and perfect. Because you got to remember it's rotary tools, so it's impossible to get an interior flat angle like that. Uh, So that has to be hand filed. And then the roof of it actually was done with a two inch wide diamond wheel that I was just very, very precise with. And I was (laughs) proud of that because for a lot of the things I cut with the diamond wheel, it's just you only have to really pay attention in two dimensions. Right, right. Because it's obvious, you're just going right up against it. But with this, you had to very much be paying attention to three dimensions of where the angle was. And that can be tricky, especially as you go on and you need to make corrections.
0: Must be the most satisfying feeling when you're done doing all of that super precise stuff and like it fits together perfectly yeah. oh my like gosh, i love man. that it's the
1: Best, <laughs> especially when it's done done and you realize i don't have any more opportunities to fuck this up there's nothing i could do that would ruin it except drop it and you just carry it really carefully but even that i mean it's mammoth tusk, it'd probably be fine
0: some of my favorite stories on your ig are when you're wearing the piece you just finished and you're talking about it. like I love Dude, I do that for that every shit.
1: single piece. That's I wear so every piece I make. I love it. Cuz I don't keep any of them, you know. So got to wear them every once in a while. Are there some that you, you wish you were
0: my- just like I'm making this for me and then you just I've, have to put it out into the world or
1: I've considered it, but a part of the movement I feel of making art for me is about other people having it. Nice. So and this goes back to like The first time I took LSD, which wouldn't necessarily recommend to anybody, but here was my experience. Like, um, I was, and when I closed my eyes, this is my imagination, not like a hallucination in front of me or anything. But when I closed my eyes, I was in infinite blackness and I saw these kind of like glass panels, just flat, polished panels come up out of the ground, which seemed like mercury, like water, but kind of metal. And it'd come up out of it and rotate like a clock on its edge and then go back down into the water. And then there were more and more and more of them. And at one point I reached out and put my finger out right in front of me where it would touch a panel as it went by and it etched a line into the panel like a perfect circle like I do now with scrimshaw pieces Hmm. with the lines. And I spin the piece to do it so it's exactly that same motion. But um, I did that and then the piece disappeared with the carving mark in it. And then they all kept moving and there were more and more, maybe a hundred of them. And then like a familiar face in a crowd from a distance, exactly like that, like all the other ones went blurry for a sec because I just noticed the familiar face, I saw the one that I'd etched on, but now it was 200 yards plus back, and it immediately clicked in my head. I can affect the world at far from here <laughs> because of time, and it was like... I. I don't really know how to explain it any better than that, but I'm sure you kind of get what I mean that you can affect the world that far, especially with the internet, but even without it, that by doing what you're doing here now, you are affecting something on the other end of the world. Maybe not in this moment, but in the future when whatever you're working on gets to that place.
0: Right. Sometimes that change is immediate and we get that gratification, but sometimes we just have to wait and know that like it's out there, like eventually it will come back.
1: And I guess before I had heard that as a metaphysical saying, you know, what you put out there, you get back. Or I'd seen it physically, but I never understood the two as one thing and two different sides of the coin. Like the manifestation side and the physical side of giving someone something and they have it later. That's the exact same thing as the metaphysical meaning everyone's trying to get out of it. And so it just became very practical to me. Except I didn't know it at the time. It was... At least a year, I think, from that time when I started carving afterwards. And I had no idea what any of that meant except for that meaning I got out of it.
0: But it wasn't until I I started
1: doing scrimshaw where I said, oh, my God, carving flat panels.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. It's like, I know I need to know this, but I don't know why. So I'm just going to remember it for later. And then eventually, like, you get another piece to this puzzle and then you get a third piece and then it all makes sense in this bigger picture. And you're like, Oh shit, a light bulb yeah. moment. That's what it meant.
1: I think it would be good for people to know too, if, whether you're into praying, whether you're into meditation, whether you're into like astral projection or daydreaming with intent, when you're in your mental plane, don't ask for all the answers because that's it. It's no fun for the whole game of why you're here. Ask for clues yeah. because then you'll get real satisfaction. If you know the answer, it's almost boring. But if you get a clue to the answer and then you figure it out later, you'll be elated for a week straight and <laughs> that momentum will make you want to keep growing in exponential ways. So look for, ask for, find clues to the truth.
0: I think it's, it's big too while we're talking about psychedelics that like uh, we should go into them with a question, Like, what Mm -hmm. is the one question? Not just like, oh, what's the meaning of life? Like, a serious question that you expect to find a little bit of enlightenment to. You don't necessarily, you're not going to find the answer, but you're going to find, like you said, a clue, and you're going to bring that back. And you have to remember that and be able to recall that when you're not in the psychedelic plane. And like yeah, a lot of down people,
1: is <laughs> they just
0: take these drugs and it's like a party thing to them. And it's, I get it. Like it makes partying fun. It can, it can make partying really not fun depending on,
1: uh, but yeah, truthfully, I can't understand it in a party to context. get the
0: most out of it. You have to just have a question, have a clear mind and like sit for me, like a quiet, dark room with a comfortable chair and just let your mind do its thing. Like that's, that's what to me, that's what that that's for, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I love kind of letting the trip teach me what it needs to teach me as well. yeah I feel like that's very important being open to flow with it because oftentimes you're going to think of one thing that leads somewhere and you rabbit trail for two hours before you even remember the concept of time and you go, well, two hours ago, I was just doing a thing and I meant to do something,
0: shit but that's okay. I can't remember that thing.
1: Shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, get post-it notes and just stick them everywhere. Have so, paper out. Before, that, was, that was my number one trip advice. Post-it Prepare notes. and have things for you to put stuff on. Yeah. Whether it be like you want to balance stuff and rearrange it for later, or put it in an arrangement, whether you want to write something down. A pen and have paper. Have a of paper.
0: Like your phone when you're tripping is really hard to focus
1: on. It's hard to yeah, look at Yeah, and it's not light. good for your eyes it's, because your eyes yeah, are sort of dilated too. You don't want to get that light into yeah. your eyes a whole bunch.
0: I like a nice yellow legal pad and a nice ballpoint pen (laughs) just like hanging out in the corner for when i there's
1: magic to that and when you write you're inscribing a memory into it when you type it into your phone it's just text in there and it only references to it a little more but when you write it that was the actual moment you're looking at you can see the style that you were writing in if you were rushed to do it or if you were tripping and it looks horrible you know (laughs) you can't (laughs) seem to write letters
0: That's always the best though. Like finding those even like a week later or like years later, I, I have a few notebooks that I'm just like, I can't make sense of any of this, but it looks so crazy. (laughs) And like, it brings me back to that moment. Like, I know, I know (laughs) it's it's hard to explain, but like, I know. Yeah. Uh, since uh, we're almost at an hour, I'll wrap this up. But uh, what are oh, you working on now? Anything cool that you can tell us about that we should keep an eye on? Or is it a, a surprise?
1: Uh, probably a surprise. Cause I'm not entirely sure yet. I will Perfect. say I've been sketching some original scrimshaw ideas while I was waiting to do the podcast with you. That's awesome. I'm pretty excited about those, but I'm still not entirely sure what I'm going to work on next. It's probably going to be a scrimshaw piece. I've been, kind of itching to do some more scrimshaw because it's so peaceful. Right. And I love being able to be in there without the equipment on instead of one hour sessions with short breaks in between, I can be out there for five or six hours straight. No problem. Sometimes eight or 10,
0: much less noisy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. For and sure. much less dehydrating too. the bone dust really dehydrates you. Really. It kind of sucks all the moisture out of your hands. Yeah. Oh, need a lot of water.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I never would have like thought of that. Like there's other aspects to this uh, that <laughs> yeah, we're not definitely. seeing. Well, that's cool, man. Um, And yeah, I'll put links to your Instagram page and where people can find your stuff. Uh, You have shirts as well, which I'm wearing these reflective shirts. Do you still have any in stock or are they all gone?
1: I do. I'm all out of mediums. I'll need to get some more mediums at some point, but I do have every other size right now, I think. Hell yeah. I'll have to. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, check out Matt's blog. He does good writings on everything. A lot of good information in the Heady community
0: now i'm blushing <laughs> that's awesome we'll do this again uh probably in a few days or sometime next week and then uh bj will be back and we'll do a regular jam hole and then we'll get back to some some more do stuff because there's a lot more in your brain that i want to record
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's a right. lot more i want to rant about so yeah, <laughs> that sounds great man that's awesome i appreciate the opportunity this has been so much fun
0: there's links to all of Dude's work and uh, his shirts and stuff at jamhole.com on the show notes for this episode. Uh, be sure to follow us both on Instagram. Links are in the show notes. And check out sweetpieceofglass.com if you need a new piece of glass or some quartz or a pendant or a marble or what have you. And, uh, yeah, make sure you're following the dude and his girl, bake. bake. Bleh- ba- they both make super cool art. So definitely check them out, and we'll talk to you next time. You are listening to the jam hole, the jam, the jam, the jam hole dot com.